Check one, two. Amen. My name is uh, Curtis. For uh, you know those who may not know me, uh, you know I gave my life to God ten years ago, and um, you know part of this uh, special music, um, you know I hope it, it blesses you guys because over the the ten years that I've been saved, I grew up in church, and you know I always had a, a religiousness about me, um, and I grew up just trying to be a good guy, but you know I still live just like the rest of the world. I lived, you know, when I was in the military, you know I was. I'm always clubbing, drinking, uh, you know, messing around with women, giving myself to unclean things, and just like the rest of the world, you know, I thought that was normal, you know, just doing the stuff, all the things I saw on TV and the music videos, but, you know, when, uh, you know, someone from this church outreached to me 10 years ago and told me about, you know, a true true relationship with God, um, it took a little bit, but, you know, I made the decision to, you know, if I really stood before God, you know, I couldn't say that I was really saved, um, and I couldn't really say that I was on my way to heaven uh, because I had sin in my life, and I, you know, gave my life to God. But and through that, you know, God gave me for forgave me for all of my sin. But you know, a part of that is learning now how to live for God. And through these ten years, God has, you know, the fact that I'm here is that He's still helping me, but He's helped me through my successes and he's helped me through my failures and so um you know part of that is understanding that the world really has nothing for you that you know it's not just the sinful things but even the things that bring us happiness and joy those things still can't last as long as jesus can and you know through my 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 walk with god uh I really understand that Jesus is all I want. And <laughs> the only thing that's going to sustain me. So um, I hope this uh, song ministers to you, blesses you this morning. Sorry, I put on all my gadgets. <laughs> My heart 
want something new so I surrender all and all I want is to live within your love be undone by who you are my desire is to know into the wind I am desperate for the touch of heaven whoa 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 oh you're the fire in the morning you're the cool in the evening breath in my soul, the life in my bones. There is no hesitation, and your love and affection is the sweetest of all. And Lord, I know my heart wants more of you. My heart wants something new, so I surrender all. And all I want is to live within your love, be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper, Lord. I will open up again, throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of heaven. Whoa. Touch of 
appreciate that. Hallelujah. Uh, we're in for a treat this week. I've known Pastor Romero many for probably 30 years. We go way back, been uh, serving God together. And uh, Pastor Romero just leaned over and asked me about, he said, remember days in Prescott? And he may tell you a little bit, but we used to, back in the day in Prescott, our first conferences, we'd go, we'd leave the morning service, get in line in the snow, the ice, wait for that evening service, just get a good seat. Hungry for church, hungry for the word of God. But through the years, Pastor Merrill has really developed an end time series ministry. God's really got an anointing on his life and worked for the government. He can fill you in on all them blanks. But we're privileged to have him here this week. Just give him a hand as he comes this morning. God. Hallelujah. There we go. Amen. It's been my, it's my privilege to be with you. Amen. Uh, I've been here in, in this church, I think, three or four times already. Amen. But it's been a while since I've been here. Amen. Like your pastor said, I've known him since we were young disciples. Amen. Standing in the snow for hours to just get into service. Amen. You know why? Because we are radical sinners. And so when I got saved, I th I'm sure he thinks the same way, man. I save as radical as I was for the devil, I can be for God. Amen. Amen. So it's my privilege. You don't want to miss one service, okay? Because the service you miss is the service God wanted to speak to you. And it's going to blow your mind uh, because many of you have seen, uh, some of you have seen the end time series that I've done over the years. I've been preaching on the end times for about 30 years now in our fellowship, amen, and God has really used this all over the world, and we are truly living in the last days. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. What I'm going to do is preach a couple of sermons Sunday, amen, today in the morning and that night, and then I'm going to start the uh, PowerPoint series, amen, on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, so I'm doing that deliberately, so if you're just a Sunday go-to-church person, you're going to miss out. Whoa, I felt that one already. Come on. I didn't come to uh, teach. I came to preach. Amen. I came to minister and scare hell out of you. Amen. Because there's people here, you, you're starting to lack and slack. Amen. And I'm telling you, the devil's putting you to sleep very slowly. Amen. And so let's believe God the Holy Spirit's here, and Jesus said, I sent the Holy Spirit to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of coming judgment. And coming judgment is coming. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, because I want to minister a sermon this morning. Let's kick it off, amen. Because in light of everything that's going on, amen, I've preached for many years on the signs that Jesus gave us for his return. And I'm going to be hitting on that this week, amen. But I, I also want to hit this morning on the rapture. Because how many know the rapture is coming? No man knows the day or the hour. But it's very interesting that I've watched a trend for several years now where Hollywood has been producing many apocalyptic type movies for very many years already. And for the last several years, uh, I've seen that an increasing trend. It's basically like the devil showing the world, this is what I'm going to do to you. But the world doesn't get it because they're of the world. As a Christian, you should get it. 
I remember an HBO series in 2014 that came out, uh, amen, I read about this in the newspaper, amen, it was very interesting, amen, and when I went to Malaysia, I believe last year, I got to see part of it, amen, on the plane coming back, uh, and really confirmed to me what I thought was happening, it was called The Leftovers, but this was based on Tom Perota's novel, where 2% of the world's population of about 140 million people vanish in the thin air in what they called a rapture-like event. What their Hollywood is doing is preparing people in through that series for what to do and how to continue in life through the tribulation period after the rapture happens. That's basically what it's teaching them, how you can survive after. And it's amazing to me that Hollywood knew there's going to be a rapture. But do you? Because the danger I see is the world is alert and getting ready and preparing for the rapture. And the Christian church is slumbering and falling asleep. The rapture is a biblical event. But I saw some troubling statistics just last month. Barna put out on born-again Christians. According to George Barna's extensive research, it talks about 30% of the U.S. population are born-again Christians. And 30% represents a significant drop for nearly half of the adult population, meeting the same criteria just two decades ago. Here are some of the findings on those who fit the born-again criteria. And you'll find much of this, like I did, much troubling. Three out of every four born-again adults, 76%, believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. But George Barma says they should all believe it is. Seven out of ten, 70%, contend that the Bible is totally accurate in all of life's principles. It teaches, again, why doesn't all the born-again Christians believe that? But listen to this. Only 46% read the Bible at least once a week. A terrible percentage. 77% believe that all people are basically good. This, of course, is, non, is a non-biblical uh, teaching or belief. 67% argue that having faith is more important that which your faith, that which, than which faith you embrace. In other words, uh, you can be Catholic, Methodist, or whatever, amen, uh, Jehovah Witness, and it doesn't matter, as long as you have faith. Again, a non-biblical belief. These are born-again Christians, I want to say. It's not just the general Christian population. 90% have a biblically solid concept of the nature of God. 80% agree that God is actively involved in people's lives today. Only 30% believe that the Holy Spirit is not a living being, but is simply a symbol of God's presence and purity. But again, how can you be a born-again believer and believe only 30%? Those 30% believe that he's not a living being. 50% believe the false idea that because Jesus Christ was human, he sinned. Now that one's way off base. 60% believe that a good person or someone who does enough good deeds can earn their way to heaven. But they're on their way to hell. 54% have conservative views about the ideal size, reach, and power of the government. 
And 34% say they prefer, listen to this, 34% of born-again Christians say they prefer socialism to capitalism. What is going on in our world? See, the problem is that born-again believers are believing the Bible less and born-again believers, you know, than born-again, born-again believers are also believing less in a pre-tribulation rapture. How many know that we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture? That the, Bi the Bible says that God has not promised us wrath. Amen. And you need to understand, if you really believe that, you should be preparing for that. Because it could come at any time. So what are you getting ready for? What are you getting ready for this morning? What is the priority of your life? Because I understand Corona is a world crisis. There are over one million people dead. But listen, this is just a sneak preview of the crisis that is coming. Hollywood can't even come close to what is going to transpire when hundreds of thousands or perhaps millions disappear. Hollywood calls it a return to normality. The Bible calls it tribulation. Because ready or not, Jesus is coming. And I'm going to prove to you even more this week that he's very close to coming. And there is a rapture if you believe in the rapture or not. And while the world is busy getting ready for a rapture-like event, we must be ready for the rapture. I'm going to minister on ready for the rapture out of 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. The Bible says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Lord, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of false doctrine that is permeating in this world we live in. I bind every spirit of lie and deception. The spirit of Antichrist, God, that is permeating again in this world. We, Lord, ask you this morning to convict by your Holy Spirit of sin, of righteousness, and of coming judgment. Save the lost, I pray. Touch the backslider. Lord, minister to every individual in this place this week, O oh God. Lord, give us revival in our nation and in this city. Again, I pray, O oh God. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. I want to look at, first of all, the rapture is our only hope. The rapture is Bible prophecy. It is what is known as veiled prophecy. See, for many, many years, we didn't understand or, or have a clear vision of what was behind that veil. And that's how it works. Veiled prophecy is, in other words, uh, you, if you ever see a veil, amen, if you're standing a few yards behind it, you can kind of see what's behind that veil. But it's not clear. But 
in veiled prophecy, just like it has over the year, the closer you get to that veil, the clearer the object behind it becomes. And that's what I'm talking about. As we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, as prophecies are being fulfilled, it starts getting more clear and more focused. I continue to stress uh, that it's becoming very clear in these last days in His eternal wisdom that God set up for us that a rapture was our only way of escape as God's people, as Christians. I'm going to show you this week the technology that is available that comes to pass that, that scripture that it says in the tribulation period, you'll have nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Because they can find you even right now. They know you're here if you have a cell phone. Hello. It's got a little chip in it. They know exactly where you're at. They know where your address is, your IP address on your computer. They can track you anywhere. They can shut down your cars. They can do anything they want. So the only way of escape in God's wisdom for his church, the bride of his son, is I got to get him out of there. Because there'll be nowhere to hide. Can you imagine what chaos, what turmoil, what upheaval, what psychotic manner the world will be in when the rapture happens? Imagine every child under the age of accountability will disappear. Newborn babies, special children, the innocent will all disappear. And can you imagine the chaos when mama, that's why the Bible says that for mothers, man, that it tells you not, you know, Woe unto those mothers that are nursing baby in those days to call the tribulation period. Because see, if you're pregnant, mom, and you miss the rapture, your baby is going to be born into the tribulation period. Only those that are already born. That's why it was interesting. Jesus said, you must be born again. And it's interesting. Nicodemus said, how can a... A person, when he's old, be put back in his mother's womb. And Jesus said, you know, hey, you're talking about a natural birth. But I'm talking about two kinds of birth. Yes, there is the natural birth out of water. But then there's a the spiritual birth. And so the natural birth, listen to me. In the natural birth, if mothers are pregnant, uh, that baby will be born into the tribulation period. Nothing's, that, that baby's not going to disappear. So can you imagine the chaos of those that are born? A little baby, a little child, innocent, ignorant of sin, and all of a sudden they're gone all over the world. See, as we see the world's population continue to increase, now at a, a little over 7.83 billion, what we are talking about is the hopelessness the anxiety, the worry, and the stress that would be created by the total disappearance and wondering where did they all go of approximately 156 million people if we use the 2% according to Perota's novel. I believe it's going to be higher than that, but nobody knows. 
Remember what happened? How many remember what happened on March 8, 2014? I didn't think anybody remembered. Anybody remember? That's when Malaysia Flight 370 all of a sudden disappeared. How many remember that now? That was a little over six and a half years ago. And the question still is, where did they all go? Where are they at? To this day, nobody knows. That's a picture of the rapture. As a matter of fact, Billy Graham's daughter, I remember back when that happened, she published some comments on the missing Malaysia Airlines plane and the rapture. And she labeled it a glimpse of things to come. Anne Graham Lotz, daughter of Christian evangelist Billy Graham, recently it says that she drew a connection between the missing Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 and the rapture, as described in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and 17. Lotz, the founder of Angel Ministries, made the connection on her personal blog just after the plane went missing. Lotz suggested that the feeling of unknowingness and helplessness that had affected the world since the flight disappeared on March 8 will be the same feeling experienced by mankind when the rapture happens and God comes back to earth to claim his followers for heaven. Non-believers will be left to wonder, where have all the people gone? I can't help but wonder, is this worldwide sense of shock and helplessness, of questions and confusions, of fear and grief, but a glimpse of things to come? Is this a small snapshot of what the entire world will experience on that day after the rapture of the church? Lot's pose. Because the Bible is very clear. There is coming a moment in time when Jesus will come back to gather to himself all those dead and alive who have put their trust in him. And on that day, the world will be asking, where have all the people gone? Not just 239 of them, but millions of us. See, the world will be wondering, where did these people go? Unlike in the leftovers, there won't be just any person. Just like those, just those that are born again, saved, washed by his blood, regenerated, which is what the term, if you understand and study the Bible, born again means. It means to regenerate. The word regenerate means to be put back in its original condition. And that's what you, happens when you're born again, because we are born into original sin. And so we, by sin, our sin nature, we cannot enter heaven. We're unclean. But see, God, that's why Jesus said you must be regenerated or put back in the original condition that God created you in. And so you need to understand, beloved, uh, that's why you have to be born again. You know, uh, these, you know, but can you imagine the psychoness, these, you know, when people can't find us? Where'd those crazy Christian fanatics go? Those that wouldn't stop telling us we are sinners and we need Jesus. Where did my crazy relatives, my friends, my family, my parents, my husband or my wife, or even my kids, where did they go? And not a rapture type event, but the real deal, a biblical rapture.
See, a biblical rapture is nothing new. Because where did everyone go? That's exactly what they were wondering in Enoch's day. Genesis 5, 23. The Bible says Enoch lived 365 years, 24 walking in close relationship with God. This is the New Living Translation. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. And they were wondering, where'd this guy go? They were also wondering in Elijah's day, 2 Kings chapter 2. Here you know the story, Elijah's taking and a whirlwind up to heaven. And they go looking for him in 2 Kings 2.16. Then they said to him, look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master. That's perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain and into some valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. But when they argued with him until he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore, they sent 50 men and they searched for three days, but did not find him. Where did he go? See, this is not nothing new. We have precedents in the Bible for this. These are all biblical Old Testament references to a rapture. The word rapture comes from Paul's caught up remark in verse 17. The words caught up are translated from the Greek word harpazo which means to carry off or to snatch up or grasp hastily. The translation from harpazo to rapture involves two steps. First, harpazo became the Latin word raptus. Second, raptus became the English word rapture. The problem with us is the word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible. And how many know that's our nature? How many have had people in outreach that, you know, you tell them, uh, that's sin. And, well, show me in the Bible. They're always telling you that, right? Well, you know, I've had people tell me, show me, you know, I'm telling you, no, smoking is sin. Well, show me in the Bible. There's nothing about cigarettes in the Bible. And then I'll show them the scripture where it says that, that if you, that your body's the temple of the living God. And if you violate the temple, it says that temple I will destroy. I say, well, you think you die from cancer of the lungs. But that's not in the Bible. The word masturbation is in the Bible. And yet it's sin because it's under the classification of sexual immorality. Which embraces all sexual sin. But you know how we are. Show me in the Bible. That's our nature. So people are always saying, the word rapture is not in the Bible. The devil put that in their mind. Like I said, it's another uh, place it says it was coined from the Latin word raprimir to portray the experience of being snatched away. Harpazo, according to the Greek, is from a derivative of to seize or to catch away or to pluck or to pull or to take by force. And that's what it really means, harpazo, it's a violent snatching away. And one is very excellent because, see, here's the thought. God sees Jesus' church, his bride, in harm's way, and he snatches her away. The same thought there is a parent whose child is crossing the street unknowingly, and here comes a car, and you see the parent run out there, and bam, tackle the kid and get out of the way. That's the thought of the rapture. How I many know we're living in a time where it's very dangerous to be a Christian? 
And it's going to get more dangerous. So I'm telling you, God is looking down and he's watching his son's bride. And I'll get more of that into that this week. Because this is a violent abduction or a snatching away, not by aliens. That's going to be one of the excuses they use. Or any other life form, but by Jesus Christ himself, snatching his bride, his church, out of harm's way. 2 Thessalonians 4.13, the correct Jewish Bible, listen to this. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way other people do, not having nothing, not having nothing to hope for. But since we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, we also believe that in the same way, God, through Yeshua, will take with him those who have died. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. Who, we who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar. Those who have died united with the Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive and will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage each other with these words. See, this is the correct Jewish Bible. And it has the correct it, you know, the translation who is coming for us. His name is Yeshua, Jesus. The church is the Lord's bride. God the Father sees all that his son's bride is going through. And he says, I've had enough. And he tells his son, go get your bride. I can't even imagine the patience of God with what we see going on in the world today. But I'm telling you, He's probably looking and saying, mm, I'm about up to here. I want to look at second of all at any time. Because contrary to many false doctrines and teachings on the rapture that are becoming very popular in these last days, specifically in the megachurch, we believe that in a pre-tribulation rapture. How many believe that? In other, because all other views destroy the biblical teaching of eminence. That Jesus could come for us at any time. And there are several reasons why. First of all, number one, the seven years of tribulation period is when God turns his focus again to Israel and the city of Jerusalem. It's known as the time of Jacob's trouble. This is Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. Second, there is a difference in persecution from man versus the wrath of God. Persecution and wrath are two different terms. Persecution is horizontal. The other comes from above. Persecution comes because of our testimony for Christ. Wrath or judgment comes because of our sin and our rejection of God's Son. So, you know, think, this is why Jesus speaks to his faithful church in Philadelphia. Revelations 3.10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation. Another translation says the hour of tribulation, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I, Jesus, because it's him speaking. I, Jesus, will keep you from, in the Greek, from means out of 
the hour of trial that's going to come upon the whole world. And third of all, the reason I think is the wrath of the Lamb is not for the bride of the Lamb. Think about this. You ask your wife to marry her, and then you're going to slap her around before you get married. Right? But some people teach that. They teach in a mid-trib, you know, where the church is going to have to go through some kind of tribulation for the first three and a half years. But that doesn't mean the biblical definition because no man knows the day or the hour. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. Once you start the tribulation, all you have to do is count three and a half years into it, and you know Jesus is coming. And it's the same for the end, but the end makes it even more, it's more ridiculous because if Jesus comes at the end, the, the rapture means it's going to happen at the end. We're going to go up to heaven, do a complete turnaround, a U-turn and come back with Jesus because we're coming back with him, folks. And the Bible also, that dismisses the seven-year, you know, wedding feast that we're going to have in heaven. Can you think about it? I, I, I'm waiting for that, man. Anything? I, I look at food and I gain weight. <laughs> I have diabetes too, man. I got to be careful what I eat. But when I get up there, it don't matter what I eat. And I can eat as much as I want. Because we're going to have seven years to enjoy. That's what a wedding feast is. A party for his bride. So that don't make sense either. How can these people believe this? See, the bride of Christ is not the object of God's wrath. God judged the believer's sin at the cross of Calvary when he poured out his divine wrath on his only begotten son. The whole point is the wrath of the lamb is not for his bride. If it was, then listen to me, the cross was not enough. Revelation 6.15 And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? That's not for his bride. And then the fourth reason is the escape mentality came from Jesus himself. Some teach that those who believe in a catching away prior to the tribulation period are weak and they have an escape mentality. But listen to Jesus. Luke 21, 36, Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. See, the escape mentality came from Jesus himself. So why would these people say, because I've heard people, I've, I've talked to people, and they're trying to argue me with me, you know, oh, you're just a weak person. If you believe in that, the church is going to be made. Yeah. No, they're not, church is not going to be made. The church is, there ain't going to be much of a church during the tribulation period. Because the church is gone, remember. There'll be believers. There'll be people that get saved. But they'll be hiding, running, looking for food. Because only those who endure to the end shall be saved. Why? Because they have to endure the Antichrist and is putting that little microchip in their forehead or in their right hand. 
See, the rapture is God's escape plan from the tribulation or the wrath of God that is coming. And obviously, it's not going to be a small thing, but an earth-shaking event that goes on for seven years. See, the world will never be the same. And the world is preparing for that. Isn't interesting? They're preparing for a rapture-type event, then trying to get everything back to normal, but that's not going to happen. But to hear them, that's what they're getting. Everything is going to get better. Everything is going to get even better, especially when the Christians are gone. You wait and see how better it gets. It's not going to get back to normal. See, the part of the great lie through the media. I mean, the media is a bunch of liars. The rapture and then seven years of tribulation. The Bible says, such as the world has never seen and will never see again. Only in a personal relationship with Jesus is anyone going to escape. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, the NIV says. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And it says must be. Because we must be saved. Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. See, the blessed hope is the rapture. That's known as the rapture. The glorious appearing is when Jesus returns at the end of the seven years. If you study the Bible, the rapture is what's known as the blessed hope. See, as I close this morning, let me ask you, or you ask yourself, what am I preparing for? Are you ready for the rapture? Because the world knows it's coming. Do you? And do you care about what's about to happen? Because in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus has given us a commission, our marching orders. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because, see, the gospel has a very narrow focus. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, those who are being, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's still foolishness. Why? Because the Bible says they've been blinded by the God of this age. Lest the glorious light they have to allow the glorious light of the gospel to shine into them. But that doesn't mean we don't stop preaching. Because we find this very no, narrow focus throughout the Bible, but Jesus himself tells us in Matthew seven thirteen, The NIV says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Note that. 
Because that's giving you a target, a narrow gate. You ever talk to people and say, oh, I'm just going to talk with the Lord and he'll let me in. Yeah, right. You're on that broad path. That's why they tell us, you have to enlarge your mind and be broad-minded. You're narrow-minded. I prefer to be that way. Because the gate's narrow. And I got to set my sight. That means I got to, it's, it's a target I have to shoot for. See, the message translation adds more modern language to this. Listen to this. This is the message. Don't look for shortcuts to God. This is Matthew 7, 13. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. Be wary of the false preachers who smile a lot. Oh, the smiley face. <laughs> you all so good. Dripping with practice, sincer sincerity, practice, because they want to look good in the front of the camera. Chances are they are to rip, they're out to rip you off some way or another. There you go. I like the message translation. Don't be impressed with their charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. That's the message translation. I like it. Because <laughs> you get the message. And we didn't even have to text that to you. Because that's some of you all, you young people understand. It drives me crazy, amen. My guys are always texting me. Pastor, I text you. Call me. I don't even look at my text hardly. See, we have to prepare. And we have to prepare the world to be ready for the rapture. Because there's not going to be a rapture-like event. This is the real thing we're talking about. And you're going to see how close we are this week. See, the world knows it's coming, and it's now preparing for when it happens. You know, it's still, I remember when I first got saved, and, and I was studying this, and I was, you know, and then I got involved in the end time stuff, and, and I'll tell you more about that, how I got involved in all this. I, I believe it was God-ordained. And so I remember when I was studying, I remember reading a policy for at that time, I think it was United Airlines, but then I studied out, it's the airline's policy still to this day, as far as I know, that two born-again pilots cannot fly on the same flight. Why? You got two born-again believers and they disappear, that plane, whoa! Which is going to happen. But that was airplane policy for airline pilots. I studied that out because I didn't believe it. And then I saw it was United's policy. Then I studied and it was Americans' policy. And I'm sure it's the other ones, except those little cheapy ones. They want to avoid everything. Amen. <laughs> you know, but your major airlines to this day still have that policy. Why? Because the world's preparing for a rapture. Are you? I want every head bowed and every eye closed.